0: Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. in, as you heard, week four of a series over the waiting, over waiting. And uh, what I'm confident in is uh, sometimes you feel you may feel awkward to jump in on a week and not really know what's going on. One thing I'm confident in is that every single one of you know what it is like to wait. You know what it's like to wait. You know what it's like to wait for God to do something. You know what it's like to wait uh, for, for good things to happen or for that vacation to finally come. You know what it's like to wait. my home, we're waiting for school to get back in person. That would be nice. Um, we're all waiting for things, and whether you were jumping in at the beginning or, or starting it now, uh, God has something for you. Each and every week, we've been tracking on uh, with this this passage in Scripture, James 5, where he says, uh, beloved, you must wait. Be patient. Just as the farmer waits for the precious crop to grow. I mean, have you ever planted a seed, right? This is our ongoing little visual. Just as the farmer Farmer waits for the precious crop to grow and produce a harvest, so you too must wait. Those is what it says, so you too must wait. So strengthen your hearts. Because God is near. And so this whole series has been about that, waiting like the farmer waits. And I hope that you've realized we don't wait like the farmer does at all. We don't wait with that kind of intentionality. We don't realize that there's a long stretch before that seed even bursts forth out of the ground. And then a long stretch before it becomes anything worthy to be plucked from. Right? Uh, There's a long wait on a road ahead of us and a lot of this. And as we've talked, there are stages to it. Maybe you're waiting uh, for your purpose to, to be known. Maybe you're waiting for that relationship or you're waiting for that promotion. I don't know what the details of your weight are, but what I do know, as we've talked about, is that every single stage of your weight is a lot like the stages of my weight. That there is this track record of of progressional stages that we can walk with through the waiting. And so if you were with us last week, we talked about the winds, right? We called it the winds. That that was stage three of the waiting period is is this, uh, the winds. And we talked how how maybe in this season, this is right where it's breaking forth. And I told you not to uh, think of this as rosemary, even though it is. Um, This is like something taller, all right? This is going to yield some fruit. So keep that in mind. but it's during this stage when everything we've planted, the things that we're hoping, come and finally we're getting traction. Right? We talked about that last week with the winds, uh, and and so as we get into this today. Uh, I will say, I th- I'm guessing you're having some trouble with the slides. It's okay. You could take a, a seat back. I, I noticed that uh, everyone is, is stressing out. So we will just track record, and we'll keep going without them. If you have Bibles, I suggest you pull them out, all right? Because we're going to get into it, and it's not going to be up there. So good. I'm glad. Everyone's, everyone's moving on. So uh, you are golden, Kate. Okay, you don't have to. You're good. Um, but we are in the winds uh, last week, and we talked about how even even every single time uh, something happens, we can either get caught up with the losses, like the slides, uh, right? The losses, like my error, um, and or we can get and notice what God is doing. And so I told you last week, we can see a farmer can see a whole lot of dirt. And realize I planted a whole lot of things there, but nothing is growing, or he can see the things that are growing and praise the winner for it. So that was the wins, and this is going to lead us into this morning, because as the farmer realizes that this bad boy is growing, there's a next stage of development that he has to do, and it's going to speak for itself. This week, we're calling it the weeds. Do you know that? The weeds. And uh, this is the hardest part because, as you can ex- expect, the weeds have um, some hands-on work with it. Every farmer knows that uh, when things start growing, other things are going to grow as well. And this is so transformative because the weeds provide, if you think about it, the weeds provide the first opportunity for the farmer to do hands-on work. For the, the Every time before that, uh, he had to wait for the Lord to provide the rain, he had to wait for for the Lord to provide the son. But now for the first time, the farmer has something hands-on that he can do. Uh, and so this sort of ushers us into this next place. And you guys could just cut the slides. It's good. Um, and so that's fun. But as we get into this, uh, one thing that we have to know is every farmer, he realizes that the crop at work is going to be very um, hurt if he doesn't do the work now of weed control. Of weed control. In fact, if you know anything about weeds, I am not the person to talk about weeds because I'd rather just leave them. But if you know anything about weeds, not only do they like to overcompensate and overcome and overshadow every bit of plant in a garden, but what we now know is that there's some nutrients in the soil that weeds actually eat that prohibit anything from growing. And the the here's a little lesson for you: it's nitrogen. And every soil has a whole lot of nitrogen. Miss Rhonda knows she has a huge garden, and as the as the weeds grow, they actually soak up the nitrogen to the point where yeah, it may produce fruit one day, but that fruit will never be as good as it could have been if the weeds weren't there. It may produce but the the nutrition value that nitrogen brings is huge. And so the farmer knows it's in this season when, yeah, I've got some good greens growing, but also there's some other things that have to get plucked out or there will be a hurt in this harvest. And we, we could take this little metaphor seriously now and realize that in the wait, God knew what he was doing when compared us to farmers. Because as we wait for God to do things, to show up. There are other things that are growing. In fact, if you wanna take notes, write this down. Every day, things will grow. Every day, things will grow, but not all of them are going to be for my good. Every day, things are going to grow, but not all of them are going to be for my good. This is important because we gotta realize that our God makes all things for our good, but there's also sin that does not want good for you. He wants destruction. And so though things are growing today in your life, there's going to be some things that happen in your life. There's going to be some things that grow in your thought process. There's going to be some, some moving forward, but not everything that grows is good. And so it's in this season, long before anything comes, that we have some work to do. We have some weeds to pull. We have some things that have to get fixed. And perhaps, I mean, I'll be honest, I don't like to pull weeds. In real life, I try to to get my kids to do it. But also, like, I don't want to deal with my stubbornness, right? I don't want to deal with my stubbornness. I think that my stubbornness is okay. But but when it comes to to growing what God is growing, my growing stubbornness provides a weed that will squash the, the, the production of everything God's trying to make in me. Not only that... Unhealthy beliefs, untrue beliefs. Sometimes we have untrue beliefs of ourselves and we're like, it doesn't hurt anyone. But we don't realize that those weeds are stealing that which God's truth needs. The the energy, the the work, uh, all the time that you spend luring in your thoughts and spiraling downward. uh, God's word could have used it in greater ways. We have to realize that even our secondary pursuits can sometimes be weeds that hurt the, the original pursuit of God in his glory, our selfish habits. And so I wrote this down. If you want uh, to take this note, our hearts have good things. Our hearts have godly elements that the weeds in our life want to consume. They want to desire. uh, They want to have. They want to lock. They want to hold. And as we get into this, I will tell you the goal of every weed. The end goal is to suppress truth. Suppress truth. There are some things in our life that love to suppress truth. Uh, There are things in our life that want to silence anything good going on to outshine the work of God in your life. There's things that want to destroy your discipline. There's things that want to draw your attention elsewhere. Did you know that That is actually the definition of uh, Old Testament idolatry. Anything that wants to draw your attention elsewhere, that's idolatry. And I will tell you, as people stuck in the wait, what not a better time to get us drawn elsewhere, right? What not a better time for the enemy to draw us elsewhere, to lead us elsewhere? I think I'll say it like this. Some of you, um, you want answers. You want answers, and God's been silent, But the world, I will tell you, will produce an answer quicker." Right, the world will give you an answer faster. Some of you, you want purpose and meaning. The world will give you purpose and meaning faster. Sometimes we want answers, we want movement, we want something we can control. And the world, the weeds the world will provide will get us there quicker. And it's just that beautiful uh, lure that the enemy has of leading us from the great to the good every single day. Uh, He he has good things growing that actually demolish the great things. And so there's idols and I wrote this down if you want to open up to uh, Deuteronomy 4 There's this beautiful time where the, the lord speaks over his people and says this he says in verse 9 of chapter 4 He says beloved take heart and watch yourselves closely Watch yourself closely so that neither of you forget the things that your eyes have seen or let them slip from your mind In the days of your life make them known to your children and to your children's children And then he skips on down and he says, uh, the Lord spoke through fire in Horeb. And so it's saying this, since you saw no form of me when I spoke through fire, be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you don't corrupt anything by making an idol for yourself. This is what happens typically in the weeds We start noticing other things that are providing for us, and we can turn the uh, God of the sun to a sun god. Uh, does this make sense? We can turn uh, the God of the sun, and the Israelites did it all the time. Uh, the sun is what provides this growth, and very easily he knew my people will be led astray by the weeds of their life, and they will start worshiping everything they can tangibly see instead of that which they cannot, uh, which is me. So they're going to they're gonna mistake my sun, which heats up the, the, the ground for them, and they're going to call it their God. And they're going to they're gonna mistake my rains and call it their God. They're going to mistake my winds, my breath, and call it their God. And so it's not going to be the God who produces the sun. It'll be the sun God and they'll worship. And he literally says, be careful not to bow down to the stars or the moons, but choose me. In other words, choose me. And so what I need you to know is that God looks at all of us and he realizes, as my children, they're going to be in a wait. And in the wait, it'll be very easy to get mistaken and distracted by everything else that is growing quicker. And they begin to overlook that which I'm growing, which takes slower, takes a longer time. And so I have this, what you have been praying over, some of you, it's uh, that new relationship. Some of you, it's that promotion. Others of you, it's that uh, experience of, of that you have meaning and value and you've been trying to get back in the habit of, of hearing God, what you've been waiting for, uh, what you've been praying on. All of that is at stake every single day that we do not do weed control. Every single day that we delay weed control, our prayer, that which you're waiting for is at stake. And so as we get into this, I know I'm sorry about the delay of the slides, but as we get into this, I have two things that I do want you to write out. And this is how we're going to look at it. We're going to look at two reasons why we keep weeds in our life. And it's it's a strange way to look at this, but I think we need to know why we keep weeds in order to show us the need to actually pull them. Because you and I have dozens of things in our life that are actually prohibiting the work of the Lord in us. To be able to see the good things that He's doing. And so just like a garden full of weeds, there are reasons that you and I keep them. And the first one is this, if you're taking notes, I keep weeds in my life because it looks like the beginning of something good. Write that down and then we'll make sense of it. I keep weeds in my life because it looks like the beginning of something good. Now, to any uh, trained eye like a farmer, he's smart enough to know that this is a weed and this is corn, but like me and many of you, you've probably planted a flower and seen something else sprout up and you're like, I don't, mm, is this it? Is this it? I will leave it. I'll leave it because it looks green and I think that's where I put the seed. And because it looks green, I'm going to leave it there. Because it looks like the beginning of something good. It looks like the beginning of something good. And so I'm going to just let it be. And I will tell you, uh, we planted a whole lot of flowers this year. And I did not know what any of them would look like. And so we had this ongoing conversation. Is this it? Is this it? Let's just keep it. Let's just keep it. I don't want to pull it. But we have to realize in a very sad way, This is the same thing that happens in our life. We keep things in our life, in our attention, in our schedules, because they seem good. They seem good. Galatians 5 has this beautiful list of the fruit of the Spirit. You know it, you know the song. Uh, Luckily, I don't have to have a slide for that one. Uh, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Hey, right? But right before that, there's actually a list of other fruits And they're the fruits of the flesh. And the fruits of the flesh, there's not a catchy song to it because that would be weird. Uh, But the fruits of the flesh... Our sexual morality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, ever heard that one in a song? Uh, Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, and we don't realize that though these are outwardly very different, one is kindness and the other is witchcraft, all right? One is gentleness and the other is fits of rage. They look very different when they produce the fruit. One is an apple and the other is this weird rotten pear, and you don't even know if it's a pear anymore. So they look very different in their end result, but the beginning, the beginning's a lot the same. And I'll I'll, I'll show it to you this way. Jealousy and envy, though it will be ugly one day, it can look a whole lot like kindness at the beginning. And so we keep it there. We keep it growing. The impurity, uh, a whole lot of like even sexual morality that can look like love at the beginning. It can look like faithfulness at the beginning, right? But the fruit of faithfulness looks very different than the other, right? And and these things, uh, insecurities, sometimes we serve because we're insecure and so we're like, okay, this is good but what it's growing looks very different. And what we don't realize is though the end result will yield a very different fruit, the beginning stages may look the same. And so in our stubbornness, in our inability to want to deal with it, we let them grow. We let them grow. Have you ever realized how long we let these things grow? Think of Israel who finally got word that God was going to deliver Moses these Ten Commandments. You know the story? He's going to give them these Ten Commandments that they would know truth. And so Moses leaves, goes up to a mountain to get these Ten Commandments, and the Israelites have to wait. They have to wait. God, we're waiting to worship you, to know how to. God, we're waiting on what to do. God, I want to know who we are. God, we want to know how to live this life. We want to know how to do things right. They're in a waiting period for these answers. I I believe that faithfulness, self-control had them enduring for a while. But at the same time, another version of control was growing in them another version of control. And it had nothing to do with the fruit of self-control, but everything to do with, all right, we're going to take things into our own hands. And soon enough, if you know the story, what did they do? They made an idol for themselves because they, they knew we were called to worship. And that, that desire to worship started growing and looking very similar than the other one, the the idol worship. But they let it fester. And their lack of truth and their lack of of faithfulness led them to make this idol, this golden little cow, right? We know this story, but I wrote this down that it might start with good responsibilities for us. It might start sometimes uh, with these good intentions. It might start with good plans, but as it keeps growing, things fester inside that we weren't intending on, and sometimes it's just too far gone. And so if you're taking notes, I need you to write this one. The weeds in our life provide good distractions from godly discipline. Did you hear that? The weeds in our life, they will always provide me with good distractions from godly discipline. You want to know why you've been struggling to pray? It's often because there's some weeds in our life that are very good distractions from godly discipline. You want to know why you've been struggling with joy? It's probably because you have some weeds in your life that are good distractions from godly disciplines. You want to know why that you've been struggling to go to prayer first or to, to, to be kind to those who are kind back? I mean, honestly, honestly, my, my irrationality to my kids, my lashing out to my children are because there are weeds growing that are good distractions from godly discipline. And over and over, the farmer realizes that weeds, if they grow, they are literally going to be distractions from that which God is growing. And I, I cannot, I mean, have you ever been overwhelmed by the, all of the weeds that are just growing all around? It's because there are some good distractions from that which you intended to do in, the, in that garden. You had a, a discipline that you were going to put forth, and there were things that were in the way. And I say this humbly, but I will say in our, our political climate right now that's so heated, and I say this completely humble, we have to, as believers, be very careful to not have good distractions that prohibit godly discipline. Do you hear me? Like we are, as this this as November keeps coming forward, we are going to make have to make sure as believers that there are not good distractions that are hurting our godly discipline. In other words, uh, yeah, I I will just write this down and uh, I will read exactly how I had it because I don't want to mess it up. Supporting that cause. Or, or, or amplifying and, and presenting that agenda. It may give us the feeling of purpose. But if it's distracting us from love or kindness, or if it's distracting us from gentleness, then it is a weed at times. And I, I, we may desire peace. And it's sort of, we put ourselves in a box right now because there's this way that may be peaceful in some ways and then this way that may be peaceful in other ways. There's these people that promote love like this and then this side that promotes love like this. But as believers, we know how to promote love, right? We read it in God's word. But sometimes we can desire kindness. We can desire peace. But if we do not practice the discipline of Christ, we will look like some of our worldly leaders who promote peace, but bash one another. Did you get, they promote peace, but it ends up being fits of rage. I I don't want that for me. I don't want that to be seen by my children. When I promote peace, I want it because I I worship the God of peace, not the peace God. And sometimes our world can make peace or the feeling of it, or or maybe the, the idea of it, the God. And so in that promotion, in, that, in that, that following after that, they deny all the disciplines that actually provide peace, and it ends up being fits of rage, right? We've seen that. It ends up being idolatry. It ends up being destructive. It ends up hurting people more than ever before, and dissension cannot happen in the church at this time. We've got to stop having good distractions that get in the way of godly discipline. And so before we move on to the next reason why we let weeds remain, I just want to say this. You can tell that it's a weed in your life. You could tell that that habit, that thought process, that attitude, that action is a weed by its relationship, by looking at its relationship with God's word, by looking at its relationship with God's word. You can always tell if something's growing and a fruit, Miss Ronna knows this, and when fruit gets produced on your tree, they tend to point to the direction of the sun, right? Because every good thing that is growing and supposed to grow will gravitate. It'll bend itself to the sun, to that which is providing it hope and energy. I will tell you, as we grow and grow and grow, you can tell if there's a weed in your life by its relationship with the word of God because sometimes it denies it. Other times it, it, it wants to act, the weeds in our life want to act like they are exceptions to rules. I know God's word says that, but like this is an exception, and so I'm going to contain it, continue it. Sometimes our weeds justify themselves in, in relationship to God's word. Other times our weeds try not to think about the Bible in this term, unless it has to. And then they'll try to do the opposite of what a fruit does, where fruit will bend itself to the, the truth, weeds love to bend the truth to fit themselves. Did you get that? You can tell because fruit of the spirit will bend itself to fit truth. What God, how am I to, supposed to love my wife right now? I'm asking God because how I love right now needs to be bent towards your truth. Every, how I have joy right now needs to be bent towards your truth, but a weed will always bend truth to fit themselves, to fit it, to, to make it better. And so we have to be on guard from weeds that are good distractions from godly discipline. And so the second, the last, and this I say with all honesty, it might be comical when we look at how we do this with real weeds, uh, but it's a little heavy in a real life. The second reason why we keep weeds in our life is because uh, we say this. We say, it's not worth it, there's just too much. It's not worth it, there's just too much. Now we can do the comical first. Um, I planted so many things, we've tried to. Um, We've had gardens, like flower beds for so long. Um, And so we, we get all this excitement, like we're gonna plant some good flowers and it's gonna be pretty this year. And we get really, like, disciplined on pulling out the weeds. But you know, weeds aren't fun. And uh, they they are so unfun that I'm trying to, like, coerce my, my kids to do it. The, the one who gets the most will get a prize. And, and you're just trying, but you miss one week of weed control, and it's already, like, uh, grass now. Like, it's just covered. And you're like, okay, I guess, I mean... It's pretty. Uh, We'll keep it there. And then two weeks passed and it's now covered and it's too much. And so we let it stay. It's too much. We'll try again next year. That's what Kate and I always say. We'll try again next year. Um, We'll try again next year. And though we can laugh about it in this time and in in this idea of, of literal weeds, there are moments, dark places in my life, and I'm sure you've been here too, seasons where I've said, God, it's just too much. The things that are going on in my life are just too much. The things that I have to feel like I have to get in control in order to hear you because we believe that sometimes it's just too much or all the issues that are in my life or from my past, they're just too much or it is just too much. All the thoughts, the struggles, this, the, the level of my selfishness, the level of my anxiety, it's just too much. And so because of that, we often just let the weeds remain. Now, now the, the reality of the weeds, is that hurt the reality that there's rosemary in there too? Does it? No. They're still good, but the weeds, we sometimes want to throw in the towel. And so this in lies our last little passage, which would have had some wonderful slides. It is completely my fault, but open up to 1 Kings chapter 18, because is this beautiful passage of the prophet Elijah, right? We've talked about him already in our, in our past, uh, but there's a beautiful passage of the, pro- the prophet Elijah. And they are in a season of waiting, and he's called to lead Israel through it. And what they're waiting on is literal drought. Uh, a literal drought to end. Now, we are able to go get food from, what, Sunfresh Market. Uh, We're able to go to Aldi. We're able to go uh, to Whole Foods. We're able to go to Costco, buy in bulk. But if there is no rain, there is no food. If there is no rain, there is no food. So for three years, from 1 Kings 18 all the way, I think it starts in 17, it goes through 18, and then chapter 19, for three years, there's no rain. The food is gone. The people are, are hungry. There's a spiritual drought as well as a literal drought. And then in chapter 19, a cloud forms. Rains fall. Rains fall. Elijah is elated. He is so happy. But then he gets word that Jezebel, this evil, unruly wife of the king, she does not see the rain as a sign that God is the one true God. She sees the rain as a sign of power for herself. And so she sends messengers, right, to go kill Elijah. Now, this is when chapter 19 happens. And we'll get there in just a second. We are going to read verse 10. So be prepared for that. He gets word that she's gonna, she has sent people to kill him. And so he flees because he's done. He quits. If you want to know what it looks like to to be a follower of Jesus and struggle with depression and anxiety, it's this. Because it was too much. This spiritual drought is not going to end, Elijah's thinking. Yeah, the the rain may have come, but the the people are not changing. I am alone. And so he retreats. The, The spiritual drought is not going to end with the rain. And God, I have lost faith. I quit. I'm done. And so it says that he runs off into a place Place, and I need you uh, to know that sometimes the way, the weeds shade us so much to the point of despair. But what we see in, in chapter 18 and 19 is that even in despair, God still provides. Even in the despair, he's providing. So Elijah's getting fed. Elijah's getting fed. And he hides away in a cave and it picks us up. Are you ready? At verse 9 of First Kings 19. And it says, the word of the Lord came to him. And the word of the Lord said, what are you doing here? There we go. We got it. What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. I have been very zealous in the Israelites, but they have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They have put your prophets to death with a sword, and I'm the only one left. I'm done. I'm done. Have you ever had this kind of monologue with God before? Like, I have tried and tried. I have pulled the weeds. I have tried to end my my problem, my addictions, and it's just not happening. The weeds are too grown up. Like, I'm just done. I'm done. I'm all alone, and it's not happening, and I'm done. The work of the weeds here are very evident. Like I I love that we're finally, like we have this because the truth, the God of truth says, Elijah, what are you doing here? And look at his relationship with truth. He's completely missing the reality of what's going on but in the weeds as they've gone, they become godly distraction or good distractions from godly disciplines because he's now what maybe started as a self-control, maybe started as faithfulness, sort of turned to stubbornness and selfishness and pride. I'm the only one who's gonna save this, these people. I'm the only one who's doing it right. I'm the only one and the weed of bitterness, the weeds of bitterness are growing in him and he doesn't even realize it and so his relationship to truth is on display right here, and he says, "God, I'm alone. I'm the only one, and it's irrational. It's it's rash. This is the completely different Elijah than the one who poured down rain from the heavens with God. Like that's that's very different looking Elijah right now, but the." The effect of the weeds are powerful. They damage our perception. And so it continues. Verse 11, the Lord says, No, I want you to go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And if you know this, you know that some crazy things happen, right? A great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. Now I, I I want you to know why this section happens. The Lord is trying to reinstate in Elijah that just because he can't be seen, does not mean that he's not working that just because all the weeds are very evident, the the weed of bitterness, the, the the weeds of selfishness, maybe the weeds of lust or impurity in you, the weeds of, of past addiction, that they have grown up and all you can see is the bad. That does not mean that the Lord isn't working. And so he calls him out and he sees this fire. He sees earthquakes happening. I mean, have you ever felt so much in your anxiety that there's just shaking? And all, like you just not enough. The, maybe the, everything feels like it's falling apart, like the mountain that fell apart. And God isn't in it. Where is God? All these things are so powerful around me. Where is God? The weeds have destroyed his perception. But then something beautiful happens. It continues and says, after the fire came a gentle whisper. Came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face because he knew it was God. He knew it was God. There's these almighty and very powerful bad things that happen. And sometimes we look at them and we get overwhelmed Because they are shattering things. We feel shattered. Some of you have had sleepless nights. And it's because there's been so many good distractions from godly discipline. And now it feels like there's just too many. And you don't know how to handle it. But still in the midst of all that, there's a gentle whisper. A gentle whisper. And so again, he says, what are you doing here, Elijah? (laughs) And it's like Elijah knows how to speak this. He knows how to speak his complaints really well. So he replied again, I've been very zealous with the Lord, God Almighty. And the Israelites, they have rejected your covenant. It's literally the word for word verbatim of what he just said. They've torn down your altars. They've put your prophets to death. And I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. But the Lord said to him, all right, I need you to go back the way you came. Sometimes when uh, there are so many weeds around us and we feel overwhelmed, we need to just go back to where we came. And what does that mean? You're going to go back to where he came. He needs to go back to the people that he thinks all of them are bad. He needs to go back to the people because he has been led so far in his lies that he is not realizing there is a man. Look at these weird names. There is a man named uh, King of the... What is it? King of Aram, Hazael, Hazael, and then as this continues, there's another man named Jehu. Um, weird names, but there are some people out there. And what is he called to do? He's called to anoint them, appoint them as kings. And if you keep going on the next slide, it says, "I need you to anoint him, and then anoint Elisha as a new prophet." And I will tell you right now, the first guy you anointed, he's going to put to death. Do you see this? He was going to put to death everyone who stands against you. The ones that the other guy who I tell you anoint doesn't. You think you're alone, but I need you to go back to where you come from. Go back and get with people because they're going to help all the weeds that you've been overcome with. The weed of fear that you think everyone's coming against you. No, Now you have some brothers, Jehu and a weird guy with a weird name called Hazel, Hazel. And they are going to protect you. You're not alone. But then also, there are 7,000. Do you see this? Uh, verse 18 I have reserved 7,000 people in Israel who have not bowed down. They've not uh, kissed the, the God of Baal, they have not given into idolatry. You think you're alone? No, I need you to go back. And anoint some people in your close quarters who know your weeds, who know where you've come from. They know the depth of the pain in the the cave. And I need you to go back and anoint people with you. And what that means is go back to people and tell them the depths of where you're struggling with. Get with one another, because the weeds will always lead you to despair and make you think you're alone. But the God of Israel is saying, no, you're not. And so I wrote this down, in your despair... You've got to go back to people. In your despair, you're not alone. In your weeds, you're not alone. And this is some of the most beautiful times and the waiting period is when we reinstate that we're not alone, that we're not alone. And so as we close this morning, I want to just pray with us. I want to pray uh, with each and every one of you. And so if you can, you bow your heads because God is in this place. And so God as I look at my life that is full of weeds, and maybe I don't want to call them idols, but God, they are. They're good distractions from godly discipline. So many of them in my life, and I forgive me for every time that they've led me to despair. God, forgive us for every time that the good things that have, have prohibited us from godly discipline have led us to despair. And there are some who are in this room who connect so deeply with Elijah, who've spoken so many times, I want to quit this week. I want to be done. I'm over. This is done. This is too much. God, can we realize that you're in this place, and even though everything else feels shattering and all-powerful, there's a gentle whisper that's reminding us that we're not alone. That there are people that we've been called to tell and speak to that will help us fight our battles. There are people that you've called us to go to. So God, maybe it's a spouse that someone needs to be vulnerable with. Maybe it's a friend that someone needs to be vulnerable with. Because in weed control, the farmer is not alone. He has hired hands. He has his family who helps do it. So God, as we lean in and take note of our weeds, can we also lean in and realize that we don't have to be alone in them? We praise you, Father, that you can get the glory from our life and lead us out of despair. In your name, for your glory, amen. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.